This is the Don't Forget to Breathe podcast. In these episodes, we discuss grief, emotions, mental health, loss, trauma, and death of loved ones. There may be triggers that touch pain and other emotions within you. We just want you to be aware before you listen. We hope this podcast will help you on your journey to emotional health. Welcome to Don't Forget to Breathe. I'm Bruce Barker, along with my co-host, Rena Uwe. Hi, Rena. Hi, Bruce. Hey, so we want to welcome all our listeners to Season 2 of the Don't Forget to Breathe podcast. Rena, I'm so excited that you have joined the show and the direction that we're going to take things. Yeah, I am too. I'm really excited about being able to um, maybe bring some support and, and help to folks out there who are listening. Yeah, I, I'm... I've just been all week, you know, after we did our, our preview episode, just all week, I've just been really excited that, that mm-hmm. we have a chance to, yep. to actually start. So this first episode in season two is called Rena's Story. And in the first season of our podcast, listeners got a very clear view of who I am by me telling my story. And I think it's important for our listeners to get to know you and hear your story as well. So are you comfortable sharing your journey? I am for sure. Yep. Okay. I, I appreciate that. And, and I, and I know they will too, you know, but before we get into your story, um, I want to let everyone know more about what you do every day in your life, your work. Um, I mentioned in our preview episode last week that you're a certified grief specialist, but I know you do a great deal more, um, with your calling to empower and support others. So tell everybody what else you do. Uh, Well, I wear a few hats every day for work. Uh, I used to be a nurse. Never thought I would be anything else. Wanted to be a nurse from the time I was four years old. And as life and my journey have evolved and and life has happened and losses have occurred and health issues have occurred, I've allowed those to lead where my uh, calling is and how I can reach people and how I can best support people. Based on what I would have needed at the time, uh, and didn't have access to or didn't know about when I was going through things. Um, so I'm a functional medicine health coach. So with that, I help folks get to the root cause of illnesses or disease, um, listening to their symptoms um, instead of maybe having them go quiet because symptoms are really the body's way of communicating with us that something is off. So supporting folks and guiding them and walking alongside them helping them kind of pull away the fog and allowing them to really tune in to trusting that they are the best experts on their body. And so that's part of what I do, getting to the root cause. And then I became a reflexologist, um, which is really supportive uh, and allows the body to go into a state of relaxation. And in a state of relaxation is when we do our best healing. So I'll have reflexology clients also. And then with my losses through the years and grief, uh, I became a grief recovery specialist, which is a very specialized program that teaches tools to move through grief because we're taught from the moment we're born how to acquire things. We're taught how to 
you know, acquire motor skills, acquire language, uh, education, family, career, car, community, friends, a home. And nobody ever teaches us the tools, how to lose them in a healthy way. So trying to navigate that without things in our toolbox uh, can keep us stuck in grief. So, and I had been through grief recovery and realized it was grief and life transforming for me. And so I wanted to become certified um, and be able to walk with people on that journey as well. And stuck grief can often manifest as illness um, if it's unhealed. So we typically don't take care of ourselves when we're grieving. There's not a whole lot of emotional energy to be able to put into uh, remembering to eat properly or, right, or exercise yeah. or do that. So I wanted to be able to offer that as well because I would see folks either coming in for reflexology or coaching and just through hearing stories or being a safe space, grief would be sometimes at the root cause of that illness. Um, so just being able to offer people what they need in that moment is very important to me. So, you do wear a lot of hats. A lot of That's hats. for sure. But, but, and, very, but they all tie in together. Specific. Pardon? You know, it seems like they all tie in together. Like they all kind tie of woven in together. together. Mm -hmm. It's really uh, about deep healing, mm -hmm. um, kind of at a cellular level, a heart level. And holding safe space for that is very important to me. And that's that's kind of a phrase that comes to mind all the time when I'm working with clients is have them walk through my door and check any shame, blame, guilt at that door and feel safely supported in that heart space so that they can begin their healing journey at a pace that works for them in whatever way I can best support them in that moment with what they need. So wow, that's, that, that's what my days are like. Um, one of the things that I, that I hear in that that resonates is at a pace that works mm -hmm. for them. So I know that for me, it was, I had no pace initially. I wasn't mm -hmm. interested in it. And then, and then when I, I did start that process, um, it was, it was my own pace. And then, and, and there are people who are on this same path, you know, that you and I are on and, and in, as we've described it, you know, in this, this uh, club that none of us want to be in, but that we are lifetime members. And I've hear, I've, I've heard them describe it as well and make comments or, um, or question when, and, and I think this is where we'll get into one of these episodes that we talked mm -hmm. about um, down the road about, stupid things that people say where they're going, well, I thought you'd be farther along than now, or, or mm -hmm. aren't you, you know, again, they're talk, coming at it from the outside, but it's still that idea and that concept of a certain pace, a certain timeline. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, um, there's so much that you just said with what you do that we are going to unpack, um, mm -hmm. over, um, the next many episodes and but i i think that right now what will will also be really important for people you know and to understand that we're on this um we're on this same journey though each path is is individual mm -hmm. we know that mm -hmm. but um 
are you ready to to tell our listeners your story? For sure. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and I really hope through sharing my story that at least even part of it may help somebody feel understood because we're all on, as you said, a unique journey and unique timeline. And there really isn't a single human on this planet who has not experienced a loss of some kind. And right. there's, there's, I'm very, um, very aware of never comparing grief. So this is my unique story. Um, and everybody else gets to have their unique experience of grief and loss. Right. So, I mean, there's been a lot of losses in grief recovery. We do a timeline and we go back to our dawn of conscious memory and look at loss and what we learned from loss in through our lives, all the different kinds of losses. But I'll start with what really brought me to grief recovery. And that was the death of my third son. So my first son had died in 1995 from a rare syndrome. He had an older sister. Um, she was almost two at the time. And I had had a premonition, a sense that there was something wrong throughout this pregnancy, but nothing really seemed to be obvious through all the testing, just a, a mom instinct. Mm. And when he was born, I recognized immediately there was something wrong with him and I handed him off to the midwife, um, who happened to be a friend of mine because I'd worked in that hospital when I was a nurse. And so she just took one look at him and she ran from the room. And so we never really got any answers. There was just a 12-week um, time frame of trying to find answers with Alex to figure out how to treat him. But he never got off the ventilator after his first surgery. And so all we really knew about the situation was that he had a rare syndrome. We didn't know what risk another child would have. And um, I thought I grieved when he died. Um, I mean, I cried, I felt I grieved, but even looking back on photos now from this time, I can just see that I was a shell. There was no emotion, faces just completely numb. And I had a two year, an almost two year old. And so I really focused on her and I didn't want her to see mom being upset and not know how to deal with that or make sense of that. So I really stuffed the grief and focused on walking her through it. Um, and so I went on then to have several miscarriages as I was trying to have another baby at that time because they couldn't tell us that it would happen again, that syndrome, because we didn't have a name, which also leads to another form of grief because we didn't have any answers. Right. So it was a big risk. So I went on to have another son, Philip, uh, two years later. And then another son two years later after that, David. And so I wouldn't say there are any benefits ever to losing a child, ever. Um, what I can say is, though, is that when Alex died, although I had been entirely devoted and loved being a mom with my daughter, what Alex's death did was it made me very aware that I could lose everything in a minute because I'd never had children thinking that I could possibly lose them because I was doing everything I could to protect her, keep her healthy, 
it never crossed my mind that she would die or he would die or any of my children would die. It's just not the order of things that happens. So when he died, it was really a wake-up call to be very, very, very present in the moment. Very present. Uh, Not to worry about things like muddy footprints on the floor. I was pretty laid back as a mom anyway, but I celebrated all of those. The fingerprints on the window, I knew that they were a gift. It made me very present. Never took a moment for granted with her or with the two boys after. So... It was just an awareness that I could all disappear. I could never take for granted that they would stay. And yet at the same time, there was a taking for granted on the other hand, because I felt like I was safe. Mm -hmm. I had lost one. There was no possible way I could lose another. So I was very present on one hand, but there was also a sense that, okay, I've lost one. I'm, I'm done with that. I've had that. So... We were, I felt protected in a way, you know, yeah. it was uh, just, it just was unfathomable to think I would do that again. And so in 2013, um, David, who was the baby of the family, who was 13 at the time, he developed brain cancer and um, we did everything, did absolutely everything. And we thought we had it beaten. And he relapsed 17 months later and died very quickly um, after that. And I mean, there are really no words. Um, I had spent months trying to get him diagnosed because, again, as a mom, I had this instinct that something was wrong. And he, you know, he was misdiagnosed several times. So as a mom, I felt very frustrated. Um, I knew there was something wrong with my baby. And so things had progressed. And so when he eventually got diagnosed, he had the biggest brain tumor they'd seen in the hospital. It was the size of a baseball. Um, He had 11 hours of surgery, was paralyzed afterwards, regained feeling, came back and regained all he he went back to being fully um fully functional again he was an amazing kiddo as as my daughter says uh if if he was in the room with mother teresa he would make her look bad <laughs> <laughs> he just was that kid that always saw the good in everybody even the the kid who bullied him he said oh mom he might have been having a bad day wow He turned down his make-a-wish three times saying it should really go to a kid who deserved it because he thought, well, I'm better. I don't need it. So he spent all the last weeks of his life volunteering with refugee kids, saved up his allowance all that summer to buy them soccer goals because he used to go over and play soccer with them. And he would always say, mom, don't tell them I'm sick. Don't tell them I'm sick. He said, I just want to be a normal kid. So... He would go volunteer with them and then he would come home and be in so much pain. I would just wrap his little head in ice towels and do what I could. Um, And he volunteered with them up until two days before he went into hospital for the last time. Um, We'd gone the Saturday night to pick out the soccer goals that he'd saved up for, but we didn't pick them up and he didn't get a chance to pick them up. So I got to do that with his big brother, with Philip, uh, the week he died. 
Um, and so a lot of grief after that was about trying to get Sarah and Phil through losing their little brother. Right. All three kids had been really, really close, uh, really close, especially the two boys. And they very seldom had even friends over to the house, even though there's three years between them. They just, they did everything together. They never fought. I mean, they just had this really tight brother bond, which is lovely to see. Um, and so then when David died uh, and Phil went off to school, he was really struggling, but he was trying to hide it. And he did hide it very successfully. Um, and then he came home for Christmas vacation from college, um, in his sophomore year. Um, and he, uh, died from unresolved grief and suicide the day after Christmas, 2017. Um, again, really protective. He had timed his suicide note. Or, and made sure the police got it before I did. He didn't want me to find him. Wow. So again, even in that moment. So it has made me really, really, really passionate about emotional health. Uh, both of my boys had hidden their symptoms, not wanting to either emotionally or physically right. talk about pain. Right. And so... At that point, I was divorced and um, didn't have kids to kind of get through it. I was supporting my daughter, but she wasn't at home. And on the outside, Bruce, I was okay. I was doing three different certification courses at the time. I was in school at night. I was working. Um, and on the outside, I was fine. Nobody would have known. But on the inside, I was just a mess. And Philip's teacher had reached out to me and said, Hey, Rena, I'm a certified grief recovery specialist. I'd love to offer you my course, the program. And I said, this just tells me now when I look back, right. you know, what a space I was in. I just shot back this email immediately and said, no, been, the, been there, done that, have the t-shirt. I know how to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have the tools. I'd never had the tools. And so there was a lot of stuck grief from the years before. And so I reached out to him about a month later and said, hey, I need this. Help me. <laughs> you know, uh, help me. So, because I didn't know how to do that. I just didn't. Didn't that, know how to do it. I mean, we're not just like you had, had said at the beginning. We're not, we don't have those tools. We're not, we're not nope. trained for that. We're not prepared for that. It's not the... Mm -mm. It's not the natural order of life. You know, mm -mm. you you expect grandparents are mm -hmm. going to die at some point. And mm -hmm. then you expect as you get older, your parents are going to die at some point. But you never, ever really, it, it just doesn't enter your mind that your child is going to die. And, and I know it's been described as... Um, when you hear when you hear people say, you know, when they when they talk about someone who's lost a child, to go, I can't even imagine mm -hmm. how that would feel, and you can't, mm -hmm. no one can, and that's that's probably the most accurate accurate description mm -hmm. to say when you're trying to 
trying to and 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 again make sense of things is not even the right is not even a right mm-hmm. term but when when they're trying to put words into into it to say i can't even imagine what that would feel like i can't even imagine losing my child mm-hmm. and you can't so no. when it happens what do you do right so right. that's cuz i did Mm-hmm. I did the same thing. I bottled it up. I um, talked about that, you know, last mm-hmm. season that mm-hmm. I just, um, I, there was a shell on the outside, but it was really easy to crack it with, um, with triggers, with, mm-hmm. with little things. So th- there was a, a real fragility, right. but to the person that you're, you know, a stranger in line at, you know, at, at the grocery store or, you know, to get your, your coffee mm-hmm. would have no idea. Right. Um, and, um, so yeah, I get, I, I understand what you're saying, though I cannot say I know how you feel because each of our, mm-hmm. our journeys and each of our losses are unique. Right. But there's things which, you know, this is all audio. It's not video. So, Mm -hmm. so our listeners couldn't see, even though we can see each other, they they couldn't see how many times I'm nodding my head. Like, yes, I get that. I, yep. Yep. And I have a feeling they're doing the same thing. Right. Yeah. Just, just to hold a space where folks can feel understood that, And you make a great point, too, is that we don't know how each other feels, right? We can just remember how we felt when we were going through it and empathize and know that when we went through it, it totally sucked. And still, sometimes it does. Right. And still, sometimes it does. Um, Yeah. I'm not comparing. Yeah. I... um, I mean, there are, there are obviously, there's a lot of things that, that, um, you said as you're sharing your story that, um, that I know that we, that will come up and that we'll talk about, um, Mm -hmm. down the road. One of the things though, that, that resonates that I heard is just in your description of David Mm -hmm. uh, with the bully going, it's okay, mom. You, you don't know what he's going through. Mm-hmm. I mean, who, <laughs> who is that in tune right. with? I mean, that is, that is what I think we strive to be like right. that to, to be so aware and, and empathetic mm-hmm. because it's so easy for us just to react. I, I can say for me, it just so, you know, it's easy just to react to a situation, um, even with what I've experienced to, to not, um, not think about that other person, but just think about that moment, right? right? They cut you off in traffic and you're going like, what are you mm-hmm. thinking? What were you doing? Right. I don't know. I mean, they could have been driving to the, to the hospital. They could have right. gotten, um, they could have gotten that phone call that I got mm-hmm. that said your child has died and you're driving on autopilot. On autopilot. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Mm-hmm. But right. for David to be aware 
just be so aware is um, it's lifting for me and and but it it's also a um, it's an aspiration can 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 I get to that point? Right, for sure. David to, would say yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to be able to hold, you know, extend grace and hold that space. And it's like you and I talked too during the week um, about when I went to the grocery store that time, the first time after Phil died. Right. I'm bumping into my friend and having to blurt out because he had no clue, but I couldn't fake it. I couldn't just talk about the weather and how cold it was. Um, I had to tell him what had happened. And then as I continued on throughout the store, I looked around and thought, wow, that lady buying pizza, her husband may have died or her dog or her her child. Right. We just don't know, right? We don't know anybody's story. And I guess I had learned really to hold grace for people who do cut me off. Because I remember when I was driving to Alex's funeral, his little coffin was tiny. And so as we drove to the cemetery, I had it on my lap. But it wasn't visible to anybody else driving. Right. And so, and then I thought, wow. And I remember clearly looking around thinking, wow, all these people just get to go to work today. Or all these people get to go to the gym or go to the grocery store or... Whatever it is. And then I thought, wait now, you're assuming they don't have a coffin on their lap. How do you know? You can't see. And I thought, okay, wake up call. You're assuming that they're not doing exactly what you're doing right now. And so the car behind you doesn't know, but you also don't know what the car in front of you is doing. And so it was just that moment of seeing the humanity in all of us. And the loss in all of us and the potential that this smile or whatever we're doing going throughout life isn't hiding a broken heart or isn't camouflaging some deep, deep, deep pain and loss. And so to be able to go to that immediate holding grace, extending grace and compassion to people, um, hoping that somebody would do it for me. And I feel it begins with me first. And I feel the more I put it out there, the more that that will then come in. Um, and so that was a real wake-up call for me, those two incidents when when the boys died. Um, just just to allow, allow the humanity. Wow. So. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we hear this phrase constantly, I mean, and especially even, you know, even in today's, today's world that we talk about mm-hmm. um, of that, you know, we just need to be nicer to other people or we just need, you know, you hear that and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, because it's a, it's a, you know, a very divided nation and, and mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of anger and, mm-hmm. and, and then again, you, I mean, you hear those, you hear it, everywhere or you see it written on on someone's facebook or instagram post you know that we we just need to be nicer to everyone we and and it's a it's easy to write it off as you know just a cliche like a, it's just a phrase mm-hmm. but when you look at it in you look at it through david's eyes mm-hmm. and you look at it through what you just described 
it takes on an entirely different like it's it hits right. deep it it hits home um it it hits our heart is like it's a it directly goes to your heart and that's mm-hmm. that's that's what it's saying is right. we just need to be nicer to people right mm-hmm. that's the phrase right but um those descriptors and um the way that you saw that and experienced that and and that that we have makes uh, it makes it so much clearer and i hope right. that those that you know the, our listeners and and those that that they can even share that could could say that as well and that it has more meaning and to start start touching more people and and it it's got to start somewhere right so i mean there there are there are uh-huh. granted there are there are a ton of people that are just the nicest um sweetest people mm-hmm. that's their nature right that's not who we see right. on um on the news that often right. or or mm-hmm. just on on walking down the street maybe or you know or maybe we do I guess it depends on your neighborhood but um if if it if we could just be broader with that that sense and that feeling i just i you know for me i just keep going back to what david said about the bully right you know, mom, you just don't know what's going so on. Having a bad day. Yeah, yeah. and I think and that's too. Like, that's amazing. I think too, though, um, that often starts or needs to start actually with self compassion and self self forgiveness for the moments that we haven't been able to do that. So, accepting that in those moments, because if we can st- extend it outwards, I feel beginning with in our own hearts, not beating ourselves up for the moments when we did have those moments, when we didn't have the reserves, we didn't have the resources, we didn't have the support. Um, and knowing that maybe we did get triggered um, and, and going inwards to say, that's not really the truth of who I am in my heart. And that maybe wasn't my stellar moment right there. Um, but not to have people beat themselves up for the moments when they couldn't. Right. So that's important well, for me too. You know, there's there's a lot to I think there's a lot in this this episode to unpack that we're going to do over over the course of several. It just keeps leading. Uh-huh. There's just more things that keep leading to something else and I right. know, I know in my heart that there are people listening that are nodding their heads going, yes, now that's what I was feeling. No one could put their finger on it or whatever. And, and we're going to dive into that. We're going to get into that more. And what I want to do is, is let people know that we're, we're finalizing a new website and that, that should be up in the next week or so. And we want it to do that, to make it a place that it's easier to find us and contact us with comments, questions, or just seeking help. Um, so for now, you can still find us through Facebook and Instagram pages. Um, don't forget to breathe podcast. Um, that's where you can private messages. Or 
you can email us now at bruce at don't forget to breathe podcast dot com. I know that's a mouthful. Um, or Rena at don't forget to breathe podcast dot com. And Rena, if somebody wants to reach out to you directly, what's the best way they could do that? So my website is turningyourleaf.com and you can message me directly through that. You can also call me at 615-497-7286 and that number is also on the website. Uh, I'm in the middle of setting up new pages on Facebook. I have an Instagram page and uh, yeah, I'd be most welcome to connect anybody with help in their area because especially for grief recovery there, it's national. And so there will be a grief recovery specialist in your area. And you can get that through griefrecoverymethod.com. It's a pretty easy website to navigate to find somebody in the area. In the Nashville area, uh, my office is in Nolansville. So I'm available there for anybody in, no- in the Nashville or greater areas, greater surrounding areas there. Um, and I'm more than willing to um, be a support to folks as they go through that. So That's great. So um, reach out to us. Um, let us know what, what you want us to unpack, um, in an upcoming episode that we can, that we can talk about, answer some questions. So again, those email addresses, um, there's ways to find us. And again, we're going to make it a little bit easier when we launch that, um, that website. So that's a lot to, this episode's a lot to, uh, a lot to absorb and process and, we're going to allow everyone to do that now and we will we will resume with another episode in about 2 to 3 weeks mm-hmm. so until Sounds then good. reach out if you need to reach out to us if you need some help questions whatever you might need so we're looking forward to hearing from you so thanks for listening good night everybody be gentle with your heart space <laughs> <laughs>